Welcome to Training Room Talk, where we discuss all things performance, rehab, and education. Welcome back to Training Room Talk. I'm Dr. John Herding here with Coach Rob Rabina. Go, Birds. Dr. Nick Paragini. Hey, team. And somewhere along the line, Dr. Ray Carr will be joining us, and he'll be sure to chime in with our topic today, which is a good one. Um, and you'll notice a lot of our topics come from frequently, frequently asked questions that we get from a lot of our patients and clients. And today is, does weightlifting stunt growth? Right. This is a question. If you've been lifting weights for a while, you know, over the years, this is something you may have heard. It might have stopped you from lifting too early because someone proliferated um, this idea. Um, but as we, you know, have been training people, um, we, you know, between all of us, we have a ton of experience training youth athletes. In fact, Rob, what would you say your primary age um, of athlete that you train here in the facility is um, probably anywhere from seventh eighth grade to high school so I would consider you an expert in this field then because you're training kids that are in their prime growth years Correct. and hopefully you're not seeing them stop growing early no they they continue to grow yes they good. do um, and, and when you look at the research, and we'll get into that, um, and the NSCA, uh, National Strength and Conditioning Association position statement, we'll get into those things, but we'll find that lifting does not stunt growth. Um, and in fact, we'll get into Rob right now maybe about maybe some of the modifications or some of the things he's thinking about with the youth athlete. Um, and if he takes into consideration things like load um, and how he answers this question when a parent says... Um, you know, when should my kids start lifting weights? Does it stunt growth? Is this something we should be concerned about? Yeah, so thanks, John. I think this is a very popular question that I get, especially if I do have a parent of a youth athlete who is concerned about the growth stunting from starting a structured exercise program. Um, and I usually just answer the question and say, no, there's not much, you know, research to, to support it. And, and how I like to explain it to the parent is, you know, what we're going to be doing is a lot of base basic exercises on the resistance training side so when i say basic exercises i'm saying like most of the times maybe a body weight split squat lunge maybe holding a light dumbbell 10 12 15 pounds we're maybe getting into some basic squatting progressions where we're maybe holding a 5 10 pound plate learning to groove a good squat pattern and eventually progressing to adding some light load again 10, 15, 20, 25 pound dumbbell. Um, same thing for hip hinging and deadlifting patterns where body weight hip hinging first, making sure they can do the correct movement and then adding some light load via an elevated kettlebell, 30 pounds, 40 pounds, whatever it might be, uh, following proper progressions. Um, and then those are the basic exercises that we're doing. And then a lot of times our uh, strength training session is spent on the training floor doing bodyweight exercises on the speed track, jumping, running, playing games, throwing med balls, doing obstacle courses, um, you know, tag with um, like football flags, partner chase drills, uh, a lot of just like open-ended things where kids are running around having a good time. Um, so that's kind of how I'll blend um, our youth athletes training program. It'll look something, something like that where we're doing a basic, you know, push-up, 
some sort of lunge, squat, or deadlift variation, and then progressing, uh, finishing off the session with a lot of speed and agility-based exercises. Um, so when you think about that, everything is monitored, planned, structured, and, and supervised. And when you compare that to a sporting event, which is uncontrolled, unsupervised, high speed, high stress situation placed on the body, you, um, you know, that's where there's more stress on the body doing that activity than doing a 12 pound lunge for five reps a leg. You know, it's just, it's just not that stressful to the body. So when you, when you're comparing it, um, uncontrolled sporting events are way more stressful than doing a structured exercise session. Likewise, playing in the playground, jumping off the monkey bars or jumping off the swings, which is a five, you know, five foot jump is way more stressful than again, doing a 12 pound goblet squat. You know, there's a way more deceleration forces on the body, a lot of tissue eccentric stress, jumping off the monkey bars than doing a goblet squat. Well, and I think just to go along with that, Rob, the common thing we tell patients is running when you're landing on a single leg, it's seven to nine times your body weight. So if you're a hundred pound kid, he's accepting 900 pounds of force through one leg when he's running. Yep. So he's decelerating and then accelerating yep. off of that. So that's a ton of load based on what you're saying. Yes. Yep. So, you know, so when you, when you explain it like that and, and you say, and then there's also not much research to, to support that says, Hey, doing an exercise session is actually going to cause a something of growth. You know, it's kind of a no brainer. And, and, and there's also other benefits such as a growing athlete, you know, their height's changing, their eyesight is changing, you know, so working on a lot of motor control activity, um, activities, learning to do basic exercises is going to improve their ability to control their body in space, which is going to improve their sporting event or any activity that they want to improve in. So that, you know, there, there's lots of, of those other benefits, you know, um, that we get from an exercise session and someone that's, that's growing and their body's ever changing, their feet are growing, you know, you have a 10 year old, 11 year old kid walk in with size 11 foot. It's like that kid's not going to move well. He's not going to jump well. He's not going to run well. You know, so there's lots of benefits that he's going to get um, just from starting an exercise program that's structured and controlled and monitored and progressed. And there, like that, there can be injury prevention within that, right? Yes, like if right. he has feet that are too big for his body, he's going to trip over them. And if you can kind of teach him to move more appropriately, he, you can limit Correct. some of his risk of injury. Correct. And I think there's a lot of misconception that you know, what we're doing from a, you know, physical preparation standpoint, you know, it's, we're, we're creating these kind of stiff, rigid, you know, super muscular, you know, kids. And in reality, you know, that's, that's not really, you know, what we're going for. We're going for creating better athletes, better, you know, movers, um, preparing the body for those forces that they're going to see, you know, in those uncontrolled settings. And I think that's one of the things that we, that we have to explain a lot of times is that, you know, we're not we're not just lifting in the gym to you know become more muscular, but we actually want to create these qualities of you know having you know better balance, better control, better awareness, um, in addition to things like you know strength, you know endurance, stability, and such. Right, and we're creating lifelong habits for right. these kids that are in their formative years of creating habits that hopefully last a lifetime, right? So if you can get them, if you can make physical fitness a part of their early years then, you know, hopefully it's going to translate more into the, the later years and prevent the chronic diseases and everything that's now plaguing our society. Yeah. And, it, and it turns out having a, uh, a strength coach who can be a great role model and an inspiration and hold kids accountable probably also holds a, a even more positive in that, in that child's life moving forward. Yep.
completely. If I can take a second, guys, just to read a part of the um, NSCA's position statement on youth resistance training. Um, they state, this is just an excerpt from it, is current recommendations suggest that school-age youth should participate daily in 60 minutes or more of moderate to vigorous physical activity that is developmentally appropriate and enjoyable and involves a variety of activities. Not only is regular physical activity essential for normal growth and development, but also a physically active lifestyle during the pediatric years may help to reduce the risk of developing some chronic diseases later in life. In addition to aerobic activities such as swimming and biking, research increasingly indicates that resistance training can offer unique benefits for children and adolescents when appropriately prescribed and supervised. The qualified acceptance of youth resistance training by medical, fitness, and sport organizations is becoming universal. I mean, that's fire. That's absolute fire. Right. And, you know, I, I think that statement is really important and, and kind of I think what's happening is, you know, we're, we're moving towards kind of these, these structured, you know, record teams, whether it's travel, whether it's school ball, um, and even kind of private sector training. I think what, what that statement tells me is that, you know, it's, that's kind of saying, hey, go play, go move be active so now there's a statement kind of again recommending you know things like play 60 where it's just unfortunately a reminder for kids like hey movement is a big part of your life you know whether you're an athlete or not but this is just becoming increasingly important movement is brain power right like so when we're when kids are developing and their brains are learning how to to think move there's there's strong correlation between movement capacity and just critical thinking capacity too right so um movement is part of the growth and development and it's starting to lack a lot in, in kids that are sitting sitting a majority of their time right um i think what do you think about the issue of injury here rob where you know when we see this across all populations where training load or volume may impact injury does that just come down to writing an appropriate program for the the stage in growth that the the client is yeah i mean if they're having issues strength training or they're having pain from exercising yeah there's a couple things that you have to look at and obviously technique and then you know the the load at which they're they're lifting is probably greater than their ability to do the exercise it's just it's too much stress on the body so you have to back off and and figure out what's you know, the main cause of what's going on. So are there common things, like if you're looking at a kid, you know, who comes in in seventh grade, so how old are they? They're like 12, 12 yeah. right? So you're looking at that middle school athlete who's 12 to 14. What are some common things you're looking um, at with them and then progressing that into like the 14 to 18-year-old high school mm -hmm. athlete? Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at their ability to move through various large patterns. Um, you know, how do they run? How do they jump? How do they throw med balls um, from a dynamic sport movements? Because um, that's what their that's what their sport is going to be asking of them is to be able to run, jump, and throw. Um, and then, you know, can they do the basic exercises um, again? Squat, lunge, hinge, push, pull. Can they do those things with proper body control, proper technique? And then when they can do that, then we'll start to add load and start to progress the movements. Um, with a younger athlete, there I, I don't usually provide a ton of exercise variability. What I mean by that is if they're working out twice a week, um, they're going to be squatting, deadlifting, pushing, and pulling 
on both days, maybe the same exercise, because they need practice doing that exercise. They haven't earned the right to be able to do other variations yet. So until they're ready to, to start doing, you know, adding serious load or, or they mastered that movement, you know, maybe a 14-year-old has been exercising for a year, you know, that, that guy's ready to do some other variations of, um, you know, lunging or squatting or deadlifting. And then as you get into, like, high school years, like, you're getting into prime, like, training muscle growth years, right, Rob? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's when that person comes in that, you know, who is looking to add size, add strength. You know, that's when testosterone is pumping through the body where they're able to put on some serious muscle and some serious strength at that, at that age, you know, where, you know, maybe they haven't exercised, which is fine. You know, if they haven't exercised in middle school or even younger high school ages, um, you know, we're still going to make sure all our boxes are checked from a fundamental movement standpoint, uh, making sure they're doing athletic movements, and then we'll start to push load. Nice. Um, question for you guys, though. Like, what uh, – because the doctors will always say, oh, like, you're going to – you know, it's going to be a growth plate injury. The growth plate's going to be hurt, and it's going to be the growth plates are left open, and that's going to stunt the growth. So you guys touch base on your thoughts on, you know, how growth plate fractures happen and – you know. yeah. So so to fill everyone in on what a growth plate is, it's basically the area of a long bone or most bones that where you'll see the growth. So they kind of grow from the end and kind of expand out, right? Um, they're made up of cartilage, and then gradually they solidify as the, the person ages. Um, mostly they're found in the thigh bone, the lower leg bones, the forearm, and bones in the hands and feet. Um, for girls, they're usually closing. Girls hit puberty a little bit earlier. Um, so these growth plates usually close between 13 and 15. And for boys, it's they're reaching puberty a little bit later, so 15 to 17. Um, you know, and that's when, when these growth plates close, this is generally where, or this is where um, someone stops growing, right? Um, you know, my retort to that would be, if you're training appropriately and moving well and, and being coached through an appropriate program, um, you're going to adapt to the stress and you're only going to be stronger. The, the bones are going to be stronger when they solidify. Um, the, the tendon, the um, musculotendinous junction where the muscle attaches to the bone is going to be stronger. You're going to be able to impact uh, handle more stress. Um, the stress from training and overloading is going to help the central nervous system evolve and develop and, and be more resilient. Um, so barring a growth plate, f a growth plate fracture, um, which would happen just like any other fracture, it's just how you're, you know, the, the vector of force on the bone, if it's at a, a spot of growth plate and you fracture, then you want to be conservative and really follow the physician's, um, recommendations because you could fall into, um, if you fracture it, a growth plate and it doesn't heal well, then it may stop growing so you could end up with a shorter limb and sometimes we'll see that in legs or or arms or um so if if you do break unfortunately a growth plate um you want to be conservative but you're mostly seeing that in you know some overuse injuries like um some little elbow little shoulder schlatters, if it gets too much like so then you're changing training a little bit being more conservative to prevent make someone more resilient about it from a growth plate fra fracture um, but otherwise, I would contend that strength training appropriately helps to strengthen a growth plate, um, so it should be done. Yeah, I, um, I mean, just from my time in the clinic, I feel like the majority of growth plate injuries that I have seen 
are either a result of trauma or overuse. Yes. Yep. Um, so that being said, in terms of stunning the growth, I mean, if there was one argument that could be made, maybe it would just be like early hypertrophy and mass. Maybe. I mean, physics, I mean, that would be the only, but I mean, it's never been proven or anything. And I love the NSCA's stand on resistance training in our youth. And I 100% agree with Rob in terms of limiting variability early on and then, you know, gradually introducing different variations of those movements. I mean, I think that's all, that's all aces. So, um, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts, Nick? What have yeah. you seen? Yeah, I mean, so I think the misconception here is that we know that, you know, growth plates, if fractured, can result in, you know, decreases in, in, in growth, right? We can have uh, limb deficiencies uh, compared from both sides during a fracture. I think the conversation, again, goes back to is resistance training a risk or are we reducing risk when, when resistance training? I think, you know, we would agree that a, a great program that involves resistance training, that involves, you know, motor control and coordination training are all things that are going to reduce risk, you know, for injuries on the sport, just like we see in, in adults, right? We know that strength training is an in, in increased strength. Um, for field sports and, and athletes is one of the biggest risk uh, reductions that we can have for injuries. So just like uh, you know, youth athletes, we got to look at you know resistance training and exercise and physical activity from a preparation standpoint as something that can reduce risk of injuries instead of something that may you know cause them or reduce growth. And I think, and just thinking, you know, I have a, a five-year-old son, and just thinking about his athletic development, like he's going to be play-based and having fun learning to move, whether it's play-based, rolling, crawling, lunging, sprinting, you know, the messing around with kicking balls with different feet, throwing with different, like just learning to figure out his body. And if he starts to voice like an opinion on, on weight training or something, then we'll start to get him into doing some stuff in middle school age. But until then, he's play-based, just learning how to move and, and grow into his body and, and learn how to manipulate the environment around him, right? And then we can kind of progress as he wants to. That has to be part of it. Um, and then from there, he's just going to be a stud. So climb, climb trees, get on tables, jump off the couch. And if they fall and break an arm, like it's part of part of being a kid what about what about so just don't a break a growth plate buddy in eighth grade put on 35 pounds some of it was due to height right but muscle i mean your guys thoughts does that affect at that age does that much muscle mass add it in a short period of time do you guys think that has influence on growth plate maturation i mean i don't know i mean it's not gonna be it's gonna hard be hard and difficult to prove ever but so, so bone typically grows faster than muscle, right? Yeah. So you would have to think that he has a solid foundation of solid, you know, bony um, configuration to support that muscle mass. If he's going through puberty and has a body type where he's just going to put on load, yeah. his, to me, the bones through Wolf's Law and adapting to the stress put on them, they've been able to grow and adapt to that. They're already matured. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. So if you guys have any questions regarding weight training and youth athletes, um, please feel free to shoot us a line at J-H-E-R-T-I-N-G at thetrainingroompt.com. Um, please also spread the word. 
so we can continue to get our message out there if you guys are liking what we're putting out. Um, And until next time, guys, um, we look forward to having you listen again. Thanks a lot. Bye.